Well, all for one and one for all. It's a catch cry of the three musketeers, each person looking out for all the others and all the others looking out for each person. True brotherhood or sisterhood. I hope that you've experienced it. Maybe it's happened for you at work. Uh, You know, something tricky comes up, uh, a last-minute emergency. You're not sure how you'll handle it on your own when one of your colleagues just steps in, helps you out, and gladly goes the extra mile to save the day for you. I've experienced it here at church. Uh, Earlier this year, there was a crisis that came up in someone's life. I then rang someone else from church to see if they could step in and help out, and without a moment's hesitation, they did just immediately helping to pick up the pieces the best they could. For the sake of their brother's faith, they just dropped things and came to help. It was wonderful. All for one, one for all. It's that idea that's at the heart of our verses this morning. All of us being here for each other, willingly doing what we can to see each other stick at following Jesus. We are to be all for one and one for all. The second half of Hebrews 10, it's uh, really something of a climax of the book so far. It pulls together much of what we've been uh, seeing over the past month, briefly reminding us of Christ, the one who died in our place to bring us to God, to save us from our sins, reminding us of this before urging us that if Christ has done this, then we should all make sure that all of us Keep our faith in Christ. We're all to keep on following Jesus. Because what's at stake is being brought to God and being saved from our sins. It's whether or not we'll share in eternal life with God or come under his terrifying wrath. Our continuing with our faith in Christ, it's not something we can take lightly. We need all for one and one for all to be more than just a motto. We need it to be real. So let's take a look. And as I said, the writer starts by pulling together the threads of chapters 7 to 10. He's reminding us of Christ. Pick it up in verse 19 and just hear the themes of what we've been seeing the past month. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, You can hear chapter 7 to 10 in all those verses, can't you? Jesus, our great high priest, his blood being the only way that we can come to God, even now able to enter God's presence with confidence because by Christ's sacrifice our sins have been truly forgiven and taken away. It's what we've been soaking in the last uh, uh, four weeks as we've looked at chapter 7 to 10. And because of Christ and, and all that he's done for us, There's two main things that we're to do, two broad areas that immediately follow because of what Christ has done on the cross. So it's a little bit like when I was a kid on a Saturday morning, mum would cook us four boys, she'd cook us bacon and eggs for breakfast. And when mum called out that the bacon and eggs were cooked, there was a couple of things to do, very obvious things. One, come to the table. Two, hook in. Eat up, okay? Well, because of Christ's work on the cross, there's two obvious things to do. And the first is this. Come to God. If Christ has opened up the way for sinners to draw near to God, then draw near to him. 
Look at verse 22. Since we can come to God by the blood of Christ, verse 22, then let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. And what I want you to notice is that the writer is addressing us all here. He's not speaking to us individually, but he says, let us draw near to God. Right the way through this section, the writer keeps putting everything in the plural, always calling on the church family collectively to act. And so together, we're to be drawing near to God. We're all to be doing this. None of us left out, all of us coming to God through Christ. Because... By Christ, we can actually come to the Lord God himself as his children with the complete forgiveness of our sins, the guarantee of eternal life. And so because of Christ, the first thing we're to do, all of us, is we're to draw near to God together. And the second thing that we're to be doing is we're to be encouraging each other to draw near to God through Christ. We're to be helping each other to keep our faith in Christ because it's only the Lord Jesus that gives us certainty and hope and life with God. He's the, he is the only access we have to God and so of course all of us need to keep our faith in Christ and so we are all to make sure that we all do. Verse 23 and again notice how this is something that we're all to be doing for one another. Verse 23, let us Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You're getting a sense of the corporateness of these verses? The deep concern that we're to have for one another, this is all for one, one for all. This is not about individual rights. This is not about getting what you want out of church. It's not about griping about how church doesn't look after me. It's together holding unswervingly to the hope we profess. It's together considering how we may spur one another on. It's meeting together to encourage one another. It's all about others, helping one another to keep our faith in Christ, that no matter what comes, none of us forget Jesus. None of us drift away from him. None of us turn from him. But instead, together, we all stand firm, anchored in Christ holding unswervingly to the hope we have in him. Arm in arm, all for one, one for all, to remain together as followers of Jesus. This is clearly more than just catching up to have a nice cup of tea, isn't it? Christianity is far more than being nice. Following Jesus together, it has an edge, a purpose, a goal. A king we keep trusting in together. Now in verse 24, the writer urges us to consider how we may spur one another on. Together we're to think about this. How are we going to do it? What ways are we going to do to put this into practice? So that's what we're going to do now. How are we going to encourage each other to keep following Jesus? Well, for starters, let's consider our weekly church meetings here on a Sunday morning. 
the writer specifically refers to making sure we are meeting together. So what sorts of things can we do in this context to help each other, to be encouraging each other to keep trusting in Jesus? Well, there's actually making sure that we're coming to our meetings. It's a good place to start, isn't it? You've got to be here first and you're here today, so, you know, good on you, pat on the back, well done. But let me ask you, what time did you arrive and what time do you plan to leave? Because if the reason we meet together on a Sunday morning is to encourage one another to follow Jesus, then arriving just before church starts or even after church starts and leaving as soon as it finishes, that doesn't make any sense at all. If the very reason we come to church is for the sake of the other people here, why would you get here as late as you can and leave as early as you could? Last Sunday, Paul and I, uh, Paul McKay, we were standing at the back of the auditorium as we started our first song, and we both estimated that there were 40 people in the room when we started. 40. But by the end of the song, there were about 100 And when I got up to preach, there were a few more. That's not great, is it? Now, look, I know things come up and things can happen and it throws the odd spanner in the works. And look, sometimes even just getting to church is nothing short of a miracle that you even arrived. I get that. But if, in all honesty, it's your habit to arrive late to church, why? Why would you regularly come late or just on time? Because it's not good for us, the rest of your church family. And from what we've been reading, we are why you come. And you are why we come. So we would love for you to arrive earlier and to leave later. Because we meet for all of us, all for one, one for all, to encourage one another to stick with Jesus. So let's get ourselves into the habit of coming earlier. It's really encouraging to do that for others. So, for example, people that are new to church, they tend to come a little early. And it's very discouraging for newcomers if when they arrive, the only people that are here are the musos and the sound guys. If you're new to church and you walk into a large auditorium and there's hardly anyone here, you're wondering if hardly anyone cares. Or if hardly anything happens here. But coming early, it also gives you more opportunity to catch up with one another. So, you know, in a little bit, we're going to have morning tea together and it's an opportunity for us to find out about life and encourage one another in the things of Christ. But there's not a whole lot of time over morning tea, is there? Well, let's make more time to catch up by simply coming early. And when you come early, you can then be deliberate about where you sit. You know, instead of the mad rush to try and find a seat anywhere or place you can, if you're early, you can spot that person who's by themselves. Or you can sit near the newcomer. And look, I don't want you to be doing these kinds of things out of a guilt trip. You know, if we just sort of, next week, we're all here at, you know, quarter to nine, and, but it's because of what I said this morning, and we're just sort of guilty, and that'll last maybe one or two weeks, won't it? No, it would be much better if you went home convinced that Christ's people are worth it. Christ is worth it. 
And so you'll come to church earlier as a habit for our sake, in order to see that we keep our faith in Christ. We should think of coming to church as being like coming to a working bee. But we've all got a job to do, that in whatever way we can, we are to help the other people here to keep following Jesus. That's what you ought to be doing. It's what I'm to be doing. It's what we're all to be doing. Because you're here for us. We are why you come. And we're here for you. You are why we come. We're all in this together. All for one, one for all. All right, there's a couple of thoughts about our church meetings, but what about this week? What about tomorrow? How might we encourage one another to keep following Christ in the next couple of days? Is there someone you need to ring? Someone you need to pop in on? Is there someone that you've noticed that hasn't been here for a while at church and you're not sure how they're going, either in life or in their following of Christ? And it'll be good to catch up with them, to encourage them, to spur them on in Christ. Is a simple phone call or a visit something that you could do this week? Or maybe you could arrange to meet with someone to read the Bible with them on a regular basis. More than just to catch up over coffee, but to get together with someone, to listen to the word of God together, to do life together, to pray for one another, to help each other to follow Christ. Just this week I had an email from someone here at church saying, I'd love to be able to read the Bible with someone. Do you know of anyone I could? So that was a mail. So gentlemen, if you're looking to read the Bible with someone, come and see me. I've got someone who's ready to roll. Now what else might you do? Could you help out with kids' church? Church at Nine needs more kids' church teachers for next term. Could you help out with mob? Could you join a growth group? Could you invite someone over to your house for afternoon tea to hear about their lives and how they're going and following Jesus? What, what could you do? More importantly, what will you do? Because if you genuinely believe that because of Christ we can come to God... If you believe that in Christ we have the forgiveness of sins and the certainty of eternal life, and so if you believe that what we all need is to keep our faith in Christ, then what will you do for us to encourage us to keep following him? What will you do? And just in case we don't have enough of a sense of how important it is that we give ourselves to these sorts of things, from verse 26, the writer gives us two powerful reasons to be doing these things. And the first reason is the danger of disobeying. Because if we refuse to encourage one another to be following the Lord Jesus, if we just let one another go, mirandering through the troubles of life, the danger is that we might walk away from Christ. And if any of us were to drift away from Jesus and deny him, then the only thing we could expect from God is his raging fire of judgment. We all need to keep our trust in Christ. This is where the writer goes from verse 26. Now, at the begin- before I read it, at the beginning of verse 26, there's a because. Okay, they're missing a word. Our NIVs have unhelpfully left it out. But verses 26 and following are reasons why we're to encourage one another. And the first reason is because if we turn away from Christ, we'll face the fury of God. 
Let me read from verse 26. Why are we to meet together to encourage one another to keep our faith in Christ? Because, verse 26, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That has got to be your worst nightmare. I don't know what you're afraid of. You know, maybe you're afraid of the dark, afraid of spiders, snakes, closed spaces. But it's nothing on this. If you drift away from Christ and turn away from the only one who can forgive you of your sins, then of course you have no hope at all before God. Without Christ to take your sins away, then you'll have to face God with your sins. And so all you can expect from God is his vengeance. He will repay. His judgment and raging fire will consume you. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so we don't want this for any of us. If you and a friend were in a boating accident, you know, you're stranded in the middle of the ocean, you're likely to drown very shortly, but then a life buoy from the boat sort of comes floating past you. And so you both grab onto the life buoy and hold on for dear life. But what if after a few hours your friend starts getting tired and they begin to lose their grip on the buoy, slipping off from sheer exhaustion? Now at that point, what do you do? Oh, well, they're slipping off. That's a shame. No way. You grab hold of your friend. You cajole them. You spur them on. You encourage them to hold on. You don't want them to drown. Friends, what's worse? Drowning? Or being consumed by the raging fire and judgment of God? We don't want anything any of us to face the Lord's vengeance and so we grab hold of each other we cajole each other we're spurring one another on we're encouraging each other doing anything we can to keep our trust together our trust in Christ at all times but look the writer doesn't want to finish this section on a downer He's got greater expectations of his readers. He knows of their great track record in holding to their faith in Christ. And so he finishes the section on a positive, on on encouraging them to keep going, to press on. Because there is a great prize for those who persevere in their faith in Christ. This is the second reason that we're to be encouraging one another. Because of the great prize of eternal life that is in store for all those who persevere. Verse 32, remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering? Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated 
You sympathised with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. These guys had done it tough, hadn't they? Just after becoming Christians, they'd suffered insult and persecution, imprisonment. They'd had their their things stolen from them. But in it all, they, they stood side by side with one another, helping each other to continue in their faith in Christ. Because they knew that with Jesus, they had an eternal reward, better and lasting possessions that's worth anything this world can dish out. And so the writer urges them, keep being like that. Keep going together. Keep your confidence in Christ. Verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence, all of you. It will be richly rewarded. You, you all, it's in the plural there, you all need to persevere so that when you all have done the will of God, you will all receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Brothers and sisters, remaining loyal to Christ will be richly rewarded because when he comes again, we won't be destroyed, we'll be saved. God has promised eternal life in his new creation where sin and death, trouble, persecution are no more. There will only be life and goodness and love and peace in the presence of God. And so, of course, we're not to throw away our confidence in Christ. And we don't want any of us to miss out on what God has in store. And so we all need to persevere as followers of Jesus. Because the prospect of drifting away from Christ is so terrible. But the prize of being with him in the new creation together is so great. So of course we're urging one another to keep on in Christ. We're in this together. You've got my back. I've got yours. All for one and one for all. To see us all remaining with our faith, our confidence in the Lord Jesus. So let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again that because of Christ and his sacrifice, we can come to you. We can draw near to you with full assurance knowing that in Jesus you have done everything, that our sins are truly and completely forgiven and taken away. Father, thank you for the certainty of the hope of eternal life, all because of Christ. And so we pray that as a church family, as a collection of your people, please, Father, fill us with deep conviction in the truth of the Lord Jesus so that we would do all we can to see one another stand firm in him, keeping our confidence in Christ, our trust in him. Father, please help us to know how to encourage one another to keep our faith in Christ. For, Father, we know the prize that you have for those who persevere. And so, Father, for your sake and for our salvation, we want to persevere.
So please help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.